Good morning, everyone. Hope you have a wonderful day. We continue. We left off in the fourth chapter of Nedarim, page 35a. So yesterday we discussed a discussion, an argument, a discussion between the Bchia, but Avin and Rav. A person says, he says, makes a vow, my loaf of bread is forbidden to you, upon you. And then he gives them as a gift. Sardavah says that even if he gives them as a gift, it's still, it's still prohibited to him. Because he says, I'm not allowed to give you a gift. It's, it's prohibited to me. You're not allowed to use my, eat my loaf or benefit from my loaf. It's sacred to you. If he gave it a gift to someone else and then, so then it's no longer his, then there's no question that the other one could, could, could eat it and benefit from it. But if he himself gives him a gift, then he can't. Peter Avin says, no. Maybe why? He said, my loaf is prohibited to you, as long as it's mine. Once I'm giving it to you, it's no longer mine, then maybe it should be allowed. Okay. So the Gemara challenges it of Eisve, uh, 35A on the top. I'll ask you a question. I'll ask you a question. We learned number one. One says to the other, lend me your cow. Not only when I can lend you my cow, this cow that I possess to you. It's prohibited, it's like sacred, you're not allowed to touch it, you're not allowed to benefit from it. Or if he says, that all my property is upon you, a vow, you're not allowed to benefit from my property. If I have any cow except this, not only am I not going to lend you my cow, it's the, I need it for myself. But if I would have had another cow, if I would have another cow, it would also be for, for, uh, forbidden to you. If the other one says, his friend says, lend me your, your spade. Not your spade of cards, but lend me your spade. The spade that I have, Shani that I possess, my property should be a kind of money, all my property. Spade is a giant fork. If I have any spade except this, I'm saying it's forbidden to you. I'm not only not lending because I need it, I don't want to lend to you. Even if I had, if I had another, another spade, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it to you. It would be a, I vow it's prohibited to you, it's sacred to you. It turns out that he has another cow or another spade. In other words, he says, I'm not lending it to you. Why? Because I need it. But if I had anything he other... need a reason. Yeah. No, but he's saying. He's, he is giving a reason. I need it for myself. I, don't, I can't lend it to you. But if I would have had another spade, another cow... I would still say I'm not lending it to you. It's forbidden to you. Right. What is konim? Konim is a vow that, that oh. it's, it's a vow. It's that it's prohibited to you, sacred to you. You're not not allowed to touch it or benefit from it. It's an off limits vow. Actually, it turns out that he does have another spade. He does have another cow. <coughs> During the lifetime of the one who made the vow, then it's forbidden. This friend is not allowed to benefit or use the other cow or or, or the other spade. Maze, but if he dies, 
Or if he gives it to him as a gift, that is him with the, so we see clearly the Braisa says that even though he made a vow and he prohibited his property to the other person, but when he gives it to him, it's only as long as it's his property. But the moment he gives it to him, then it's allowed. So clearly not like Rav, we see clearly like Rav Barabin. If I have, that I have. In other words, when I have it, as long as I have it. The moment I give it to you, it's no longer mine, it's yours. Answers. He defends it often. No, he doesn't say he gave it to him. The bride doesn't say he gave it to him. He gave it to someone else. Rabbi would agree. Everyone agrees if he gives it to someone else, there's no longer any vow. But the problem is when he himself gives him. If he himself would give him the cow, if he himself would give him the spade, then it would be prohibited. His part is included in the vow. You're not allowed to give it. It remains sacred and prohibited to the, the other person. Um, Ravashi, Ravashi says, they cannot me. I can also deduct this from the language that this interpretation is correct. The Braise says, it was given to him. Like He gave him. He doesn't say he gave him. He says, it was given to him. Meaning, It was through a third party. It was given to him through someone else. He gave or sold it to someone else. The owner who had the other cow, the extra cow, and the other he gave it or sold it to someone else. And that third party ended up giving him. Then that's allowed. Clear. Yeah. Yes, is there a concept of If you make a vow, we said. It's like a sacrifice. It becomes sacred. The object becomes sacred. You're like a sacrifice. Just like a sacrifice is holy. You're not allowed to benefit from it. You know? The question is, if you benefit from something that's sacred, it's actually sacred, it belongs to the temple, it's mi'ila. It's treachery. And you have to pay, and you have to pay back uh, with, it, uh, with on top of it, uh, f- f- five, uh, a fifth on top of it. And then you have to bring a sacrifice. So do we treat a vow that you have the ability to make something sacred so if you end up unintentionally benefiting from it. You also, Mila, you're obligated in a, a sacrifice and you have to pay back, etc. We learned it in our Mishnah. A place where the finder pays. Pays for, for someone finding his lost object. And he can't give it to the finder. Why? Because then, because he doesn't want it. Let's say the finder doesn't want it. But he can't not give it because then he's benefiting. He's benefiting from the finder. The finder should get his money and he's, he gets to keep it. So therefore he has to give it. He says he has to give it to the hekdash. He has to give it to the temple treasure. So the memroki hekdash, that means kainim are like hekdash. Just like with Hegdish. There's Mila, so Kainim, Val, there's also Mila. What's the. In other words, why does he say it has to go to the Hegdish? Why doesn't he say. Why doesn't he say, throw it into the Dead Sea? Take the money. You're not allowed to benefit. So there's ways of not benefiting. Take the money and throw, throw, throw it into a, a salty sea that no one can ever benefit. It will sink down, no one will ever see it, and that's it. Your money is lost. What compels you, what forces you to give it to the Hegdish? Unless you have to say that since you're benefiting, the person doesn't want to take the reward money. 
and therefore you're benefiting from this money. So you're benefiting from his money, and there's a vow, his money is sacred to you. So it becomes sacred, you have to treat it like sacred. It means it's like sacred, it belongs to the temple treasury. You have to treat it the same way, you have to give it to the temple treasury. You can't just throw it away. So we see clearly there is meal. Like the mother says, yes, it's true. From our mission, it's clear that our mission holds that you can't just throw it away. You have to treat it like something sacred, and therefore you have to give it to the temple treasury. Mm-hmm. But uh, throw it into the sea. He, he doesn't. He could throw it in the sea. It's an option. He's not. He shouldn't benefit from the money taken and throw it in the sea. Fine. So by not benefiting, it is not violating. Why does the missions tell us, give us, give him the advice? You should give it to the hekdim. Okay, listen. If a person has an option to give it to the temple treasury or throw it to the sea, what would you do? Give it to the treasury. Give it to the treasury. Uh, why, why waste it? But since he says hegdish, it means he must mean. Why is he jumping hegdish? Because it must mean that the kainim is like hegdish. So the rosh says that the proof is since. In other words, what he's saying is the mission is telling us it's not an option. Throwing it into the sea and not benefiting from it is not an option. Because since the money that you're benefiting is hegdish, it's koinem, this koinem money. So see, if it's holy money, so you can't, you can't throw it out, it's holy money. You, have to give, you must give it to the hegdish. So that's clear proof our Mishnah holds that koinem is like hegdish. So the Gemara says, this is actually an argument between Tanoi. In the Brais, we learn the Brais. The coin nimkik is a hekdish. Someone says that this loaf is hekdish. And then someone else ate it. Bein hu, bein chaved. Whether him or his friend, more. <laughs> Whether him or someone else, he says it's hekdish for me and for everyone. Everyone, including himself. So whether he eats it or someone else eats it inadvertently, more. It's me'ila. It's committed me'ila. It has the laws of me'ila. Lefiqa, therefore, yesh Therefore, the loaf, you could redeem it. Since we treat it like hektish, the b'raisa says, it could be redeemed. Lefiqa, yesh Just like hektish, you could redeem. You could transfer the sanctity from one object to another object. So I can transfer the sanctity from this loaf to another loaf. Mm-hmm. If he said this loaf is hectish to me, only to me, not to anyone else. And he ate it. Or his friend ate it. He committed me, his friend not. It was never prohibited to his friend. Therefore, you can't redeem it. Since it's not prohibited to everyone, it's not strong enough to be transferred. To be transferred, it has to be sacred, like Hegdish. Just like Hegdish. Hegdish is sacred to everyone. Right? Unconditional to everyone. So too, only if the vow, if he says this loaf is prohibited to me and to anyone else, then it's like Hegdish, then it's strong enough to be transferred. Then you can redeem it. But if not, if it's only prohibited to you and not to your friends, even though it is meal if you eat it, but it's not strong enough to be transferred. The holiness is not powerful enough that it can be transferred to something else. What are the That's the opinion of Rabbi Meir. And the rabbis say, Either way, you didn't commit There's no mila, period. By vows, there's no mila. You can't compare it to, a, to something sacred. It's actually sacred that belongs to the temple treasury. It doesn't apply to kindness. 
doesn't matter if you prohibit it just yourself, you prohibit it to the whole world. What's the halal? Ram says that the law follows like our Mishnah, that there is, there is mi'ilah. But, only, but you can only redeem it if it's prohibited, if it's a general prohibition on everyone, not just yourself. Ram asks, do we say all the way? Do we say, if we say that a vow is like Hegdish, do we go, and therefore there's mi'ilah and there's redemption, by Me'ila, the point, the moment you benefit from, from that, let's say a loaf of bread belongs to the temple treasury, and you eat from it, the moment you eat it, the moment you eat from it, it loses its sanctity. Do we say the same thing with the vow? Once I eat from it, the, the, then it's no longer sacred? The, this, this loaf is permitted? Yeah, he remains with the... What if a person says, Kikri Alecha, my loaf is forbidden to you? When the son of Matana, then he gifts him, he gives him a gift. Mimal, does he commit Mila? No, because it's my loaf and it's no longer. The fact that he gave it to him, he committed Mila. He said that the person is not allowed to benefit from me, and he gave it to him. So it's the act of giving it to him, an act of Mila. The one who gave it, the owner who gave it to him, the act of giving. That's but, what he might ask. Mimal. So that's what I'm Mimal, limel, nesen. The possible the giver commits mila. Why? It's not forbidden to him. He's allowed to benefit. No, the giver. The giver, the owner says, you are not allowed to benefit from me. I can benefit from my own. I never made it sacred for me. I made it sacred for you. So if he's giving it, but I'm allowed to, I never, it's not prohibited to me. Why would I want to receive something I can't be? The Gemara says clearly the giver didn't, uh, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't, he can't do meila. He, it's not prohibited on himself. Limil makabel, if you want to say the one who received the gift, he does meila. Yachol da'amar, teirabiyesi. I desire permissible loaves. Isura lebiyesi. Loaves which are prohibited to me, I don't, I don't accept. In other words, he would never have accepted it. it the whole thing was a mistaken premise. So therefore, it never. It's, it's since the whole accepting of this gift is based on an erroneous premise, erroneous assumption. So then, it's not effective. So he never really received it. So therefore, he doesn't do meila. Are you mean to tell me that you have to have nothing? I thought like um, I thought like Rabbi uh, Baravin said that once it's given to me, it's not a problem. Now you're telling me like Rabbi that even after you give it to me, I'm, I'm not allowed to take it. So then, so I never wanted it in the first place. So who who has meila here? One receives the gift. He commits mila when he utilizes the law. Anyone who spends hektish funds for, for regular purposes, for ordinary purposes, because he thinks that it belongs, that it's chulin money, he commits mila. In other words, the moment he uses it, even though it was a mistake, he thought that he accepted it and it's okay and it's his and it's allowed. But it turns time, out it's not. But in the time of the temple, used by mistake, the hegdish money, then you moil. That's a, that's a classical example of inadvertence. He's saying, the answer is, the transfer itself doesn't trigger any meal, like we said. It's the use of it. It's the use of it. Not the giving of the, right. of the gift and not the receiver of the gift doesn't commit meal. But when he uses it, when the when the recipient uses it, then he commits me. Regardless of whether we continue on side B, the next mission.
It says, V'toyre, Mr. Mosse, your mice is Ladite. One who's prohibited. Someone who says, You're not allowed to benefit. Can separate the other person's trum and ties with his knowledge. In other words, that's not considered benefit. I say you're not allowed to benefit. You're not allowed to benefit from me. I'm allowed to separate your truma for you. But what's the what's the kind of? No, the kainum is that you're not allowed to benefit from me in any way. And here I'm separating truma for you. That's not considered a benefit. The Gemara will explain why this is not included, why this is not considered a benefit. That I am doing truma for you and I'm separating your truma, your miser. Why is it not considered that you're benefiting from me? And he's a koyin, and the koyin made a vow that you're not allowed to benefit from me. He's allowed to sacrifice for him the bird offerings of zavin and zavis and women who are giving birth. Chatois, vashame, sin offerings, guilt offerings. He can teach him, he can come to the class, he can teach Medrash, Halachas, and Agodas, but he can't teach him scripture. He can teach the person's sons and daughters, he can teach them uh, the scripture, the Torah, the written Torah. Be taught free, so you're not benefiting, it's not like you're saving any money, anyway, it's to teach it free. But, the, the, the written Torah, you'll have to take reward. So by teaching him, he's benefiting from you. By teaching him, but that's only you, and not your son or your daughter. In children, that's a mitzvah. And a mitzvah is not considered a, a legal benefit. A mitzvah is a, an obligation. So I'm helping you do a mitzvah. You're obligated to teach your children. I'm helping you do a mitzvah. So a mitzvah is not included. That's not considered a benefit. Because maybe he would have found another one, another Jew, another Chabadnik to teach his children to fulfill this mitzvah. So, so filling a mitzvah is not included, is not considered a benefit. You help him fulfill a mitzvah. Okay, let, let's look at the Gemara. The Gemara unpacks the mission. So the Gemara, we had a question. do the service. Are they our agents? Are they our representatives? The Jewish people's representatives? Or the representatives of Hashem? Agents of Hashem. Good question. Ask this question elsewhere, and the Gemara says that that they're God's agents. You can't say they're agents of we are our we are the principal. Why? Because you can't have something that you cannot do. You can't appoint an agent to do something that you yourself can't do. Right. You don't have the power to convey. Convey exactly. So if we can't do the service in the temple, how in the world could we empower the coin to do it for us? Not mm-hmm. So therefore, there's clearly they're agents of Hashem. But here, the Gemara asks this question. The Gemara is going to prove it. Is, is bringing it, uh, relating it to our Mishnah. What's the practical difference? If someone makes a net, uh, you're not allowed to benefit from a coin. The coin makes a net, you're not allowed to benefit from me. If you're going to say that the coin is an agent of the Jew, how could he? Then he can't offer sacrifices. Because then he's benefiting the person who he made a vow he's not allowed to benefit from. But also it will be prohibited. But if you say the Kainim are agents of Hashem, Shari. 
So Tashma, we bring a proof from our Mishnah. You're allowed to bring a sacrifice for him. How could it be done? So we see clearly from our Mishnah that clearly the Kainim are agents, agents of Hashem. According to your reasoning, the Mishnah should have thought he can sacrifice from all the offerings. Why do you have to single out? Only, only singles out those offerings that the person needs atonement for. He has to bring these offerings for atonement. A guilt offering, a sin offering, if he's a ganaria, a zava, a woman who gave birth. So she can't eat from the sacrifice until they bring... Why does he say he can bring any offering? A peace offering, a Thanksgiving offering, any offering, a burnt offering. He doesn't say that. Why does he specify only these sacrifices? Ella, you have to say, that these are exceptions. Really, the Kohen cannot bring any sacrifice from, from the Israelite, that he made a vow that that Israelite can't benefit from him because he is his agent and he's not allowed to benefit from him. These are the exceptions. These sacrifices, Mechuzik Baruch said, why? How is it they become... All offerings, the owner has to willingly consent to the offering. Except, Mechuzik Baruch You can bring a sacrifice for your children who have no understanding. So to allow them to eat from the sacrificial sacrifices. It says, Taita says this is the law of Zav, Ben Gadol, Ben Katan. Since the Taita says the law, Taitas, what's Taitas come to add? Should have said, yeah, why say Zav, Taitas, Azav? Taitas, Azav comes to add that even a minor, there is no Das, there is no awareness. You can bring a sacrifice for him. So therefore, we see that the Mechusik are the exception, in what sense? That just like you can bring a mechusik even without the knowledge of the person you're bringing a sacrifice for to enable him to eat from the sacrificial uh, meats. I, I see. So therefore, he's not, he's not an agent. An agent is if you have to appoint him with knowledge. You represent me. So all the other sacrifices that you have to do with knowledge, you have to have the person's knowledge and willingness. Otherwise, you're not a shliya. Otherwise, you're not a shliya. Therefore, the mission is clearly you can't make a shliya. You can't make the koyan who made a vow. You're not allowed to benefit from me. He can't act as your koyan. He can't offer it for you because then he's acting as your agent. But in the case where you don't need the person's knowledge, so therefore he's not his agent. He's just indirectly. You know, right. 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 So is the Gemara concluding here from our Mishnah, the opposite of what the Gemara concludes elsewhere. Elsewhere, the Gemara concludes decisively that the Koyinim are representatives of Hashem, not our agents. And they prove it, because, because they prove it, because you can't, you can't convey something you don't have. If you don't have, you can't empower someone to do something that you can't do. So clearly, we're not agents. Here, the Gemara is saying that they, we are, we're proving from our Mishnah that they are agents of the, of the, of the Jews, not agents of Hashem. But so the Ram says no, it's not a decisive proof. Because I can explain the Mishnah. Really the Mishnah means you can do all the sacrifices. All the sacrifices. Because they're agents of Hashem, they're not agents, they don't represent you. <coughs> but why does the Mishnah only use the examples of Mukhusri Kapadra? Because the Mishnah is telling, telling us a chiddush, a novelty. And here there's a direct benefit. Because now that the Koyan is offering these sacrifices, now you can go ahead and eat 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 from the sac- from the sacrifices. 
So it would seem like you're benefit, he's benefiting from you. That's what he's telling us it doesn't matter. Since he represents Hashem, whatever he's doing is in Hashem. Therefore, it's okay. But it includes all, all the sacrifices. Now, when Rabbi Yechonon says that you need the knowledge of the person, again, that doesn't prove that the koyin represents the owner, the, the owner of the sacrifice. He's just saying that you need the knowledge, but once you give knowledge, the koyin is acting as the agent of Hashem, not your agent. But anyway, now the Gemara is following, is, is, is going along. The Gemara says, according to Rabbi Echenon, what about Zeis Teres Ayeledes? It says, the law of a woman was given birth. Beng Tana, Beng Deila. You're also going to say that Torah comes to add that whether it's a, it's a minor or an adult, how is it possible? Tana Basledei, could it be a minor who gives birth? But Tana Rabbi, Kamid Rab Nachman Rabbi, we learn from Rab Nachman, Sholish Noshim, Shamshiz Bemoy, there are three women who are allowed to be intimate. With, uh, with using, uh, using absorbent cloth to prevent conception, birth control. A minor, a pregnant woman, and a nursing woman. Why? Maybe she'll become pregnant and will die. She won't be able to handle it. She's not capable of giving birth. Even if she conceives, she's just going to end up dying. So to save her life, she's allowed to use birth control. So how could the, the Pasuk say, which comes to add even a minor. A minor can't give birth. It's not possible. You're not allowed to use birth control. Why? Why aren't you allowed to use birth control? Because it's causing the husband to, dis- to discharge... His his his, his yeah. semen, yeah, spill semen, and and that's prohibited. But in case these three cases, which is a question, since it's a, it's the woman's life is in danger, so therefore it's not considered as if the husband is spilling is spilling a semen. So so even though you can ask, who says you have to have into? Who says you have to be intimate? Don't be intimate. Your life is in danger. That gives you permission to violate a law. He says, "No, you have to. It's a mitzvah. You have to be intimate. You have to. You have to please your wife. That's not an option. So, since you're only doing it not, you're doing it to save her life. That's considered having intercourse in the normal way, and that's not considered destroying destroying your semen. So we see that that he says clearly, you can't have children. She can't have children. Mother answers that he is to say, let this be and comes to add. But in that case, it's not coming to add a minor. A minor can't, have, can't give birth. She'll die in, 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 in labor. It means she could get pregnant. She could conceive, but she can't give birth. But it means it comes to add. It doesn't matter if she's, uh, if she's intelligent or or, or, shaita, or she's, uh, she's not intelligent. Yeah, or insane. maybe A person could bring a sacrifice even for his wife who's insane. And and could she in order to enable her to eat from the sacrifices? carbon A person can bring a wealthy person sacrifice on behalf of his wife. If he is wealthy, there are certain sacrifices that the Torah says it depends. If you're wealthy, you have to bring uh, you have to bring animals. If it's if it's uh, if you're not wealthy, then you could bring birds. 
So he says, the husband provides for his wife. So when he provides for his wife, he has to bring according to his financial status, not her financial status. Mm-hmm. So she's poor, but he's rich. He can't say my wife is poor. She has no independent assets, so therefore I'll just bring her a cheap sacrifice. No. You are rich, and you're bringing it first. You have to bring, according to your means, you have to bring a rich sacrifice. And all the sacrifices that she's obligated to bring, he has to bring, he's obligated to bring for her. Like a zava. He has to bring for her. Not voluntary sacrifice. But obligatory sacrifice. Anything his wife is obligated, shechayevus. Only only sacrifices that she's obligated. She volunteers on her own. She's very generous and she's volunteering to give burnt offerings. That's not the husband's problem. But any sacrifice that she becomes obligated, it's the husband's responsibility. Because he writes her nixuva. is the isle. A lie. Any responsibility, any obligations that are upon you are upon me. From, from starting this day. <laughs> to be continued. Everyone have a wonderful